Good evening, church. Occasionally, uh, I call an audible in my plan. I talked about being a planner. Uh, Tonight's lesson is an audible. I thought it would be good to spend a little more time thinking about the the shepherd. Uh, My original plan was to talk about the meaning of meek. So if you were here tonight, here with bated breath for that lesson, You'll have to wait for another time. So join us again some Sunday night. Uh, We are in John chapter 10 tonight. John chapter 10 is the scripture I alluded to this morning. And I thought I'd just like to spend a little more time thinking about dwelling upon uh, this pronouncement of Jesus himself, that he was the good shepherd. We are in uh, not all of chapter 10. Uh, All of it's good, but I really want to focus just on verses 11 through 18. So if you're following along online or here in person, join me there in John chapter 10, verse 11. And I'll read and then we'll talk a little bit about this. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand, not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand, cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I received from my father. When we think about uh, Jesus, uh, his pronouncement that he was the Messiah included a lot of things. And one of those things that was to be a promise of the Messiah, the coming Savior, was that he would be a shepherd for God's people. Micah chapter Five, we read these words, but you, Bethlehem, where Jesus was born, in the land of Judah, from the tribe of which Jesus was born, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. His birth, in Luke chapter 2, was not coincidentally revealed first to shepherds. In fact... The uh, Bethlehem was a community where they raised lambs. They were known for that. And the manger, although we have, and I've used before, the, the wooden manger that we see, more, more commonly it was a, a stone manger with a, a, the center of it carved out. And they would put, the shepherds knew that when they put this, uh, that these lambs, uh, when they were first born, were laid in a manger. And so, 
when the angels told the shepherds that you will see him lying in a manger, that was a clue to them that this was no ordinary babe, but rather the Lamb of God. So he's the shepherd and the lamb at the same time. John MacArthur writes these words, Who is the shepherd? Jesus is starting to give us a pretty good idea when he says, I'm the door. Shepherds were a kind of door. At night, the sheep would go in, and the shepherd would drop, off, drop his rod and stop every sheep one by one and check them over for any kind of wound or any kind of problem. And then he would lift his staff and let them go in. In the morning, he'd call them by name. And they had to do... And they had to pass by him into his care. The shepherd was the door. So when he says in verse 7, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. He was speaking in congruence with his role as shepherd. Jesus is saying that a faithful shepherd, he, as the faithful shepherd, uh, would be the one who would shepherd his people who would look after them, who would check on them, who would care for them, who would attend to their needs, spiritually, of course. And he's not just any shepherd. Uh, he's the good shepherd. The, wor- the word here in the original language is callous. Not callous like we think of tough and, and hard, but callous in the Greek means to be good, not just in the sense of moral quality, but an, an all-encompassing good. I was watching a video about someone you would know that who it is is not important, but they said of him, he's got the golden touch. Everything he touches just succeeds, and perhaps you know someone like that. Well, this is the idea of good and callous. Uh, this shepherd was not just any shepherd, he was the good shepherd. Um, it's, it's an all-encompassing term, meaning, among some things, to be magnificent, uh, to be lovely, to be excellent. And you know people like that. I mean, teenagers, if you know someone who's... Uh, it's one thing to know someone who gets good grades, but you, may, you know someone who gets good grades, uh, not just good grades, but a 4.0. And it's one thing to get a 4.0, but it's another thing to be a starting athlete. And it's one thing to be, you know, have 4.0 and a starting athlete and also be uh, excellent at everything you do. First choice. This is the idea of good shepherd. He's excellent. He's great. He's not to be outdone in any way. He will not be like the selfish shepherds that Ezekiel prophesied against, nor is he like the Pharisees who tried to stone him. Uh, He exceeds all other, even shepherds, men that we talked about this morning, Abraham, Moses, David, uh, people who had great faith in God and, and knew what it meant to shepherd, he exceeded their abilities. He shepherded to the fullest degree. Another way that Jesus is saying this is, I am the excellent shepherd, which sounds sort of braggadocious, unless it's true. Maybe you've heard that. It's not bragging if you can do it. Well, (laughs) 
Jesus was the excellent shepherd. He was not vile. He was not selfish. He was not motivated by personal gain. He was not dangerous. He was not threatened or threatening. He was excellent in every way. Now, we're mixing metaphors, and we've got to understand that the shepherding idea is this idea of a, a leader, a teacher. A, you know, we're moving beyond the agricultural now. But in his role as shepherd, he would be excellent in that. So, what is it that makes the good shepherd good? I've got three things for you, and hopefully these will be something to think on. Uh, number one is the fact that the shepherd, the good shepherd, lays down his life for the sheep. Involved in his excellence is his willingness to give of himself fully, completely, totally. There's a difference between a boss and a leader. You probably have heard that. A boss is someone that you can, that wears the title that is given certain rank of privilege. You have to do what the boss says. But not every boss is a leader, and you know that too. I was watching a, uh, a video about uh, service in the military. I have not served in the military, so I, I found this interesting. He said, there are <clears throat> certain types of leaders who are so because they are given the rank. And they can give a command and they will be obeyed, but only because they have to. And usually not with the heart or the attitude of true obedience. But there are, there are some who are leaders who lead because they love their men and they serve with their men and they don't ask anything of their men that they would not do themselves. They are willing to lay down themselves for their men. And what was interesting is he said, these are the kind of men who even if they did not wear the rank, you would follow them because of their character. This is one of the things that makes Jesus good. That we'd follow him because of his love and because of his character and because of who he is. The, the role of a shepherd, now back to the metaphor, uh, the shepherd had to take sole responsibility for all the sheep that were entrusted to his care. Their health, uh, their sickness, their, when they would wander off into danger and times when they were uh, in, in very... dire and real dangers, all of that fell to the shepherd to keep them in good health, to keep them from getting lost, to keep them from dying, not just to keep them from dying, but to keep them healthy and well and thriving and reproducing. And because all of that fell to the good shepherd, falls to the shepherd, there, there are different types of shepherds. I was telling you about this morning about reading this book, A Shepherd's Look at the 23rd Psalm. And in there he talks about good shepherds and not-so-good shepherds, which I hadn't really considered that. that just like they're good teachers and not-so-good teachers, that they're good bosses and not-so-good bosses, they're good shepherds and not-so-good shepherds. The not-so-good shepherds 
really didn't love or care for the sheep. They just would kind of let them wander off and do their own thing. and They might haphazardly count them and pay much attention to their health, or what they were eating, if they were too big or too small. Uh, they, they didn't have the heart of a, a really good shepherd. A good shepherd cared for the sheep and is always willing to, to do whatever is necessary to save the sheep, to seek the sheep even if it meant risking his own life. Risking his life against someone who tried to steal a sheep, a, a, a person, a man, or risking his own life against another beast. We remember the story that David described to Saul as proof that he could take on Goliath. In First Samuel, he says, But David said to Saul, Your servant was tending his father's sheep. And when a lion or bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went out after him and attacked him, and rescued it from his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by the beard, and struck him and killed him. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, since he has taunted the armies of the living God. That was, that was proof that David wasn't just a warrior, wasn't just courageous, but he was doing this out, of, out of, a, of a deep love and concern, just as he had the same concern for the, the sheep of his father, Jesse. He had equal concern for the sheep of his father, God. It was the same motivation. He, didn't, he wasn't concerned for his own life. He was willing to step up courageously. That's what good shepherds do. Um, Jesus rescued us from our enemy, the devil who roams around like a roaring lion, Peter says. Uh, Jesus went after him from the garden. He attacked him at Golgotha, and he rescued us from his mouth on resurrection morning. Jesus is the good shepherd who, who gives no thought to his own life, but only the glory of the Father, and will lay down his life for the, the sheep. Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, says this of Jesus. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, humbling enough, deity to step into humanity. He humbled himself even more, by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. I'm not sure if you've ever even thought to your own mortality, your own death, how you will go. You know that it will happen someday. You don't know when. It could be tonight as you're driving home from church. It could be 90 years from now or somewhere in between. Uh... My guess is, when you think about how you will die, you, you have a, some common things that you hope for. You, you hope that it will be peacefully. A lot of people want to pass in their sleep. Uh, you hope that it will, you'll be surrounded by people you love. You hope that you'll have time to say the things you really want to say. Uh, things like that. But, but I'm guessing you, you're not hoping uh, that it's a criminal's death. 
I'm guessing you're not hoping that it's to be surrounded and taunted by strangers. I'm guessing you're not hoping for such humiliation. Jesus loved you that much that that he humbled himself in many ways. And the the greatest of those, of course, that he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. One of the most humiliating ways to die. Number two, the shepherd loves the sheep personally, individually. He says in John 10, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Uh, In Matthew 9, there is this description of Jesus, which I love. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed, helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. That's the heart of a shepherd. He sees the people being led in so many different directions and none of them seem to be toward God. He seemed to people being taught so many things, but none of them seem to be his word. And, and, and he feels nothing but compassion and, and pity for them because it's not the sheep's fault that has such poor shepherds. And his heart is that he wants to shepherd them. Not in a selfish way, not for personal gain or glory, but, but he knows that the sheep are better when they are shepherded well. He also says he has sheep that are not of the sheep pen. If you don't know, that's referring to the Gentiles. Um, and, and he desired for those sheep, which is most of us here tonight, probably all of us, uh, he wanted them to be included in the family of God as well. It's a little bit hard for us to fully appreciate this, but... As Gentiles, we've been adopted into the family that before Jesus, we didn't have access to that family, not in the way that the Jews did. But Jesus knew he had sheep that he was responsible for, the lost sheep of Israel, but also that were not within the sheep pen yet. The shepherd loves the sheep and he knows them well. In Proverbs 27, this piece of wisdom is given. Uh, He says, Know well the condition of your flocks. Give attention to your herds. And this might seem like something that doesn't really apply unless you're farmer or agricultural and you raise animals. You've got to pay attention to to your livestock. That only makes good sense. But when you really think about it, if you're... If you're truly wise, you pay attention to your flocks. Not just the number in the flock, but the condition of the flocks and the herds. Um, It's one thing I think shepherds think about. Now, some shepherds only think on the level of how many were here Sunday. But the next level of shepherd thinks about, but well, what's the condition of the flock that was here Sunday? And what about the ones who aren't here? What about the ones that we've lost? What about the ones that have strayed? That, that's the heart of a shepherd. And if you know, even if you're not a shepherd, <laughs> you would do well to pay attention to your flocks. If you're in management, you, you probably should know something about the condition of the people that serve on your team at work. 
That would be a wise thing to do. If you have money in the, in the market, you should pay attention to where it's invested. That's his wisdom. Pay attention not just to how much money, but the, the condition of the money. That's wisdom. Well, these are earthly things, but on a spiritual level, God, as our shepherd, knows us and he loves us. And he knows your name. And he also knows your condition. The question really is, do you know him? In addition to knowing you, he loves you personally. John 14, a couple chapters over, Jesus says, whoever has my commands and keeps them, is the one who loves me. That's John fourteen twenty one. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. So, number one, shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's the heart of a, a good shepherd. Number two, the shepherd loves the sheep individually, personally. He knows not just who you are, but he knows your condition and also how to remedy it. Number three, the shepherd unites the flock. He says, they too, this is the Gentiles he's referring to, he says, they too will listen to my voice. Uh, back in um, John chapter 10, he says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. The good shepherd brings unity. The enemy always brings division. The enemy wants us to focus on our differences. But God, and and Jesus as the good shepherd, focuses on bringing people together. Different kinds of sheep from all over the world, all different languages, all different backgrounds, all different worldviews, but submitting themselves to Christ, they become one. Which, to me, is is the great, beautiful part about being a part of the church. Is that this family, although very different... Is one. And they too will listen to my voice. Scott Decker shared with me uh, many years ago when I was talking about the subject of sheep. He said this, um, oftentimes, and, and Scott Decker has a different experience at the rodeo world and, and farming and agriculture. And he said this, uh, oftentimes with sheep, it was very common, it is very common to have sheep from many different herds in one pen. How do, you, how do you separate all those sheep? How do you get them to the rightful shepherd? Well, what they would do is they would have a shepherd has a special call. Sometimes it's a whistle, sometimes it's their own, their own vo- not their voice, but their uh, a call or a word but some unique characteristics that the shepherd could say, Come, sheep, 
And instantly the sheep of that shepherd perked up and would follow that sheep. They knew the shepherd. They listened to his voice. They heard his call. Well, of course, many analogies to us. If we're of Christ, and if he's not just a shepherd, but he's our shepherd, we, we know his voice, we listen to his voice, and we follow him. The, the, the sheep trust him implicitly because he feeds them, he leads them, he cares for them, he looks after them when they're sick, he helps them when they get into trouble. Uh, they, they have nothing to lose in following his voice and listening to him. And they trust in his full authority. Jesus says, I have authority to lay it down, to lay down my life, and authority to take it up again. Now that's, that's high authority, especially the second one. I have the authority to take down, uh, to, to, to lay my life down. Uh, no, one, no one forced Jesus to the cross. He could have chosen not to go. He prayed to his father, this is not my will. If there's any other way that we can reconcile all of these lost sheep, and it doesn't involve what th- this cross that I'm about to face, that's what I would pray for. And yet, Father, if this is your will, I will bend to it. He laid it down of his own authority. Do you not think? That I cannot call all at once legions of angels that they will not rescue me, he said. I always imagine that scene on Golgotha as Jesus hangs there. That on the far horizon, or maybe up in the clouds, are legions of angels watching. Just waiting for a single word of command. And they'll come to his rescue. That word never came, of course. Because though he could have saved himself, he couldn't save himself and save us too. So he laid down his life of his own accord, and then he has the authority to take it up again. Hebrews 13 says, Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant, brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory forever." And ever. Amen. Uh, Two more scriptures and then let's wrap up our study tonight. I I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25 is an interesting chapter because it describes the final judgment. Now, I have a lot of questions about the final judgment I don't think the Bible tells us everything about the final judgment. But what it does say is very interesting. What Jesus said, verse 31 and following, is very interesting. 
verse 31 of Matthew 25. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another. As a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right. But the goats on the left. Now, I, I could go on there, but there's a whole other sermon there that I don't have time to get into. But just a couple of quick things. Jesus hasn't stopped being the shepherd. He knows the difference, as good shepherds do, between the sheep and the goats. And he says, judgment is going to be the great shepherd separating the sheep from the goats. So he knows the difference, number one. He knows who are his and who are not. In fact, earlier he'll say... People will say, Lord, Lord, there were people claim there will be sheep that claim to know the shepherd that did a lot of good things and good acts and admirable things in the name of Jesus. And the shepherd will say, I never knew you. So he knows the difference. And the second is, once and forever, he's going to separate the two. So, this is really important because, because he said he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Now, um, I just want to make sure we understand this so on Judgment Day there's no surprises. But uh, which of you are on my right? right? Correct, this side, good old north side and north side, right? That doesn't feel right, does it? Because from your perspective, this is right. Maybe there's something there. On the day of judgment, if you have an option, (laughs) move toward his right, not your right. The shepherd will know the difference. One last verse. Revelation chapter 7, verse 17. Chapter 7, verse 17. A description of heaven could go all through it but this great throne room scene no hunger no thirst no sun but in verse 17 the most important part for the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd 
And he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the good shepherd, the most excellent shepherd, the supreme shepherd, the shepherd above all shepherds, who knows us, who loves us, even to the point of laying down his own life for us. Father, I pray for those that all of us who hear the sound of my voice, whether in person or online or watching or listening at some point in the future, that they not just listen to my voice, but that they listen to the voice of your Son, our Shepherd. And may they not just listen, but may they hear it and yield their hearts and lives to it fully. Father, I pray for those who have not yet turn their hearts and lives over to that shepherd. And Father, if there's any way, I pray that you would tarry, that you would wait just a little longer, and that we as your people might have a burning within our hearts to share the good news of this shepherd with them. Lord, as we live our lives as sheep of your flock, may we Cut out the distractions and listen to your voice and follow you. And Father, we look forward to the promise someday that after the great and final judgment, the separation of the sheep from the goats once and for all, that we as your sheep for eternity will worship you That the Lamb will be the eternal shepherd leading us to streams of living water wiping away every tear from our eyes. We thank you for this shepherd and we pray this all through his name. Amen.